This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kanisan. It is Tuesday, June 20th, 12.05 p.m. on this grayish afternoon. And today we're getting into the SME and startup fan funding landscape following news last week that MySIF or the Malaysia Co-Investment Fund announced that it had co-invested 638 million ringgit into 3,600 micro, small and medium enterprises in 2022, helping fuel their growth and and development. MyCIF was started back in 2019 to invest in micro and small SMEs as well as medium SMEs and social enterprises alongside private investors through alternative financing platforms such as equity crowdfunding and P2P lending platforms. Essentially creating a little bit of a public-private co-investment model here. So just to dive into some of the numbers to give a bit of background, in 2022, the Securities Commission's annual report showed that ECF and P2P platforms continued to grow. They saw a 26% on-year increase of uh, funding raise to about $1.4 billion ringgit in 2021 to 1.7 billion ringgit in 2022. If we take a look a year before that, both these platforms raised uh, over 2.7 billion uh, ringgit across just under 5,000 micro and small medium SM, uh, enterprises, almost doubling the number of businesses as well as total funds raised. So last year was a bit of a slower year, uh, but still seeing growth in terms of uh, where the direction is going. So given the growth that we're seeing in the industry today on BizBytes, we're going to be exp uh, speaking with industry players and observers about the role of the co-investment fund, the current state and future potential of both equity crowdfunding and P2P lending platforms here in Malaysia, and how they've changed the funding landscape here. If you have any thoughts or any ideas or anything you want to share with us, you can always WhatsApp us on our U-Mobile number. That's 018-789-8899. Joining, us today, uh, joining me today for this discussion is Johanan Devanesson, Senior Writer with Fintech News Malaysia, Kashminder Singh, Co-Founder at Pitchin, as well as Ang Zingzian, the CEO and Co-Founder of Cap Bay. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are you, all of you doing today? Thank you, Ray. Very good. Thank you. Doing mm -hmm. well. All right. Um, so I think let's start with some context here. And I think, Cash, uh, given your uh, time in the industry here, give us a sense of how you describe the role of equity crowdfunding in the SME and startup ecosystem. Because um, both, your, both platforms here, P2P and ECF, play different roles. So what is the role of ECF? Uh, ECF has really been very important in the industry. What we see as far as the uh, SME landscape is concerned, I think ECF came at the right time. Uh, in the 2015, 2016, when it started, there was a big gap of funding, uh, especially at those uh, SMEs in, in the very early stages. So it came in very well, plugged in the gap of this uh, uh, funding gap at that time. And over the years, it has become increasingly important for SMEs because what it has done is because SE has raised the limit to 20 million now mm -hmm. for companies to raise. And what that means is that even SMEs that are larger, more in their growth phases can come. So I think it has become very integral to the SME funding landscape. Yeah, so it's from, my from my perspective here, what it seems to be is that ECF is basically to help you raise funds to grow your business, right? Um, not necessarily just to fund the day-to-day. -day. It's about, uh, it's growth capital, essentially. It's essentially growth capital, although many of them may want to use it for also working capital. But I think what it does, it, it takes 
SMEs to the next level, mm. right? So some companies come to us at seed stage and they want to take the money to grow into mm-hmm. uh, into a growth stage. But and those at the growth stage are normally expanding. Uh, but what's important to I guess uh, highlight here is the fact that it's long term capital, correct? It is. It That's, is patient capital. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who misunderstand. I think this the idea is okay. So when can I get my money out? Um, which is quite a can be. Uh, there's a range of possibilities there. Uh, XX, we go over to you. P2P lending. A lot of times used for working capital, much shorter term tenures, I think about six months is the average in terms of uh, financing being raised. Um, talk to us about P2P lending's role in the business funding ecosystem. Yeah, um, actually that's uh, correct. As you correctly pointed out, um, typically uh, we would actually encourage uh, SMEs to take equity for long-term capital, such as uh, uh, whether it's CapEx or even things like R&D and all that. Um, and actually for the when it comes to loan, um, traditional banks are more... Uh, uh, adapted to actually do a longer term of financing such as you know housing loans mortgage car loans and all that I think they need to justify their cost of analyzing every borrower and uh, they prefer the lock-in relationship so there is actually a lot of gap for SMEs when it comes to uh, day-to-day uh, working capital gap so that's where particularly we see a lot of P2P lenders uh, come in so one of the common products uh, whether it's the industry or in this case cap base specializes in is actually in uh, sp- supply chain finance yeah so I think uh, Generally, how it works is just that uh, imagine you got a contract from people like Telecom Malaysia and then you need to start, you need money to buy materials, pay your suppliers for you to start work and then you got to wait for TM to pay you. So P2P lenders like CatBay will come in. We will actually uh, give you money to help you prepay all the suppliers and then when it comes to due date, we collect from TM directly. Yeah, I think because a lot of people don't realize that in business, um, you don't get paid up front for the work you do. A lot of times, you got to wait. A lot, a lot of it runs on credit, which is where working capital providers like yourself are essential in terms of um, keeping things moving in terms of uh, in terms of money, right? Um, and you know, and this is despite the fact that, and this is public knowledge, of course, that. Uh, Working capital typically is expensive, right? You're talking about annualized 18%, 24% a year. Uh, but a lot of this is charged on a monthly basis. So it's really just the cost of interest that you're looking at. Um, so you're particularly focused on supply chain financing. But what else uh, is P2P commonly used for in the industry? Yeah, I would say uh, in general, um, it is quite common for general working capital. So even though um, the borrowers may borrow for a one-year, two-year basis and they don't call it supply chain finance, the usage typically go back into the same thing, mm. which is actually to fund the day-to-day uh, expenses as well. Typically, it uh, it rarely makes sense for somebody to borrow uh, at, say, 24% uh, uh, or 2% a month to fund uh, a development or capex. Um, that is where usually a cheaper loan or uh, equity crowdfunding would come in. Right. Um, Joe, uh, uh, you are the industry observer in the room, um, and uh, you've had some a few interesting articles uh, about the landscape here. And I want to mm. just dive into the the co investment fund. Um, so they uh, invested six hundred and forty million, just about just mm-hmm. under that, uh, in almost uh, thirty five uh, in almost thirty five thousand ECF and P two P lending campaigns in twenty twenty two. I think that benefited just around three thousand six hundred micro, small, and medium enterprises here in Malaysia. As someone who covers the fintech industry quite closely, could you give us a bit of the background and purpose of the Malaysia Co Investment Fund initiative? 
Uh, sure. So the MySafe is basically, uh, as you mentioned, the Malaysia Co-Investment Fund. It's a public-private co-investment vehicle and it's in, administered here by the Securities Commission uh, on behalf of the Ministry of Finance, uh, actually. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, there's been a big upsurge in in, um, in investment um last year compared to the previous year. Uh, as you mentioned, over 600 million uh, co-invested in uh, 35,000 financing campaigns over across both types of platforms, ECF and uh, P2P, uh, which is a, a, a big number in uh, in the region and uh, benefiting over near at least 3,500, 3,600 uh, MSMEs in the, in the region. So uh, they released MySafe released its uh, annual report recently, and the findings was that uh, together these platforms have raised over 300 million um, compared to the previous year. So in uh, 2022, they raised over 1.7 billion uh, compared to the previous year, where it's only about 1.2, 1.3 billion. And so that's a 26% year on year mm-hmm. increase uh, in the overall markets for both of these. Uh, and uh, the report points out that it's it reflects the the state in Malaysia of the growing confidence for both investors as well as businesses that get invested in for alternative financing uh, in in this uh, in this country, basically Malaysia. Right. Uh, I pose this question over to now that both of you, uh, Cash and uh, XX. Uh, the SE noted, as uh, Joe has illustrated here, that 26% increase from 2021 to 2022. Uh, MySafe has invested 640 million ringgit into uh, these campaigns here. Um, Zian, how has how helpful has the co-investment fund been to your industry? Oh, very helpful. I think uh, if uh, I were to look at the amount of investment that uh, CapBev channeled about, uh, out of the $1 billion, uh, that was channeled over the past few years uh, via our P2P platforms, a big part of it is actually uh, with the direct and indirect help of MySafe. Uh, one of it is that, of course, MySafe uh, subscribe up to 20% per investment uh, of uh, each borrower. The other one is that it gives the borrow, uh, public investors the confidence that um, the government is actually co-investing mm. in each of these notes. And actually, uh, on the other hand, uh, we should also remember that this is actually not a grant. Actually, while doing this, the government is also making money. Uh, for example, uh, whether it's via or the ECF return, even on Cat Bay, we are also quite uh, happy to say that uh, we have made the government coffers, uh, taxpayers, a few <laughs> millions already in uh, direct interest income. And I think yeah. that's a really good point to highlight because yeah. this is a co-investment fund. It's not mm-hmm. a grant, it's not free money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government does expect a return from this. So yes. uh, both as industry players here who are receiving uh, this support, you have to ensure that government taxpayer money is also being funneled in the right areas, right? So um, what kind of engagement, uh, Zian, does the co-investment fund have with you to ensure that you know their own filtration process is met? Yeah, in general, the government is taking a more market-based approach. So um, they will always invest so long as uh, there are uh, uh, publics who take up uh, up to 80% mm. of the particular notes. And then, of course, sometimes they give a bit more preferences for certain uh, focus industries such as the agriculture industries. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, if uh, ABC Corporation wanted to raise a million ringgit uh, for its whatever funding purposes mm. uh, and you and the campaign hits the 80% mark, so 800,000 yes. ringgit, then MySIF steps in and gives you the additional 200,000. Yes, mm. pretty much how it works. Uh, Cash, how about you? Uh, thoughts on the co-investment fund and how it's impacted the uh, equity crowdfunding landscape? I mean, uh, pitching is... One of the the most uh, the the biggest uh, fundraiser in this space. Sure. Yeah. So MySafe has been extremely valuable for to the uh, ECF industry. I think when it comes to ECF, 
unlike P2P, for example, you know that, as you, as you mentioned earlier, it's patient capital. Yeah. You need to invest for the long term. As well as you are investing in a bit more, a company that are a bit more early stage. So uh, there are some risk factors involved. And we saw that in 2015, 2016, 2017, when the government uh, first allowed uh, uh, equity crowdfunding to Malaysia, many investors were may have been a bit hesitant Uh, worried about the, the risk of investing into the smaller companies and these early stage companies. Uh, what MySafe did when it came here uh, into the market was to was a word of confidence mm. for the ECF uh, industry to say that hey, the government is also investing, last mile investing will come and take up the balance as the crowd backs us, and it's a word of confidence in the companies. Mm. It does seem to signal um, support from policymakers or at least regulators uh, to boost the industry because I think uh, your industry is under the SC and there is a both there is a a will to kind of see these different uh, fintech businesses that allow for more accessible capital to grow, right? Um, so how do you then engage with uh, the co-investment fund to ensure that their money is well invested? Is it again like uh, like P2P, a market-based approach where they co-invest with any uh, race as long as 80% is hit? Uh, just about the same. Uh, what it does is the same thing, but here I think it's 25%. Uh, one for four, four ringgit raised by the crowd will be invested by MySafe. Mm. Uh, however, I think we have to understand the aim of MySafe here. Right? So unlike most venture capital funds that are going for long-term uh, high capital returns, mm. MySafe has been brought, I, I, my understanding, MySafe has been brought into the industry to co-invest in MSMEs, that will grow the economy later. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to make sure that these companies get funded, last mile funding. And I think uh, MySafe is coming in more from the perspective of how many jobs are being created. So these are some of the questions that right. we, of course, tell uh, tell MySafe when we ask for, when we apply for the MySafe funds, the kind of number of employees that they have, the revenue. And the idea I think here is that let these companies grow bigger. I'll put a bit of money and, and the government puts a bit of money Let the companies grow bigger and these companies will create jobs. They will then later on become tax-paying entities and all that. Because there is a, so there is a more active mandate to support MSMEs, micro, small and medium enterprises as opposed to the more high-flying, high-growth startups. Is uh, there a delineation there? There's no delineation. Uh, I think the point I'm making is that uh, taking the risk of early-stage investing mm. is more to grow the companies. Uh, and I think MySafe aim is that if this company can grow bigger and if it can even exit, then that same money will recycle just like P2P into mm. other other startups. All right, gentlemen, we got more to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, given the growth of equity crowdfunding and P2P lending industries here in Malaysia today on Enterprise BizBytes, we're speaking with industry players and observers about the role of the Malaysia Co-Investment Fund, the current state and future potential of these platforms here in Malaysia, and how they have changed the funding landscape. That is what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899. Or, as always, you can tweet us over at BFM Radio. I'm Roshan Karnison, and here's uh, Van Halen with Jump on BFM 89.5. Brand-friendly marketeers, BFM 89.9.
Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bytes. You're here with me, Roshan Kanesan. If you've just joined us today, we're exploring the SME and startup funding landscape. Following news last week that the Malaysia Co-Investment Fund announced that it had co-invested 638 million ringgit in just around 3,600 micro, small and medium enterprises in 2022. On the back of that, we're taking the opportunity to explore the role of the Malaysia Co-Investment Fund as well as the current state and future potential of alternative funding platforms such as equity crowdfunding and P2P lending platforms here in Malaysia. Helping me with this conversation has been Johanan Devanesson, Senior Writer at Fintech News Malaysia, Kashmir the Singh, Co-Founder at PitchIn, and Ang Zingzian, CEO and Co-Founder of Cap Bay. Um, gents, let's, be, let's take a look at uh, an article actually from Joe. Uh, this was quite interesting because I think this was written, uh, published two weeks ago and it mm, was, it what was. you observed was that uh, in the last two years, P2P and ECF platforms have surpassed traditional VC funding here in Malaysia and this wasn't just limited to fintech companies but enterprises overall. Um, tell us a little bit more about this uh, observation of yours. Right, so it's a uh, it's a uh, it's very interesting uh, when you observe the the landscape uh, as a uh, overall, uh, because VC funding is obviously like a, the traditional uh, arm for investment opportunities for companies that are looking to get that 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 uh, boost for uh, growth stage, either to to grow or to expand their business or to grow internationally. Um, so, but uh, according to the SC, the Security Commission's. Uh, annual report this year. Uh, VC funding this year rose to 1.3 billion in 2022 compared to uh, 1.1 billion the previous year. So that's a 200,000 uh, ringgit increase. But in comparison, especially when you look at the, uh, the MySIF's uh, recent report, um, MSMEs that raise capital via uh, ECF and P2P platforms, uh, they actually saw this increase of 26%, uh, nearly a third uh, increase uh, from 1.4 billion in 2021 to 1.7 billion in 2022 in terms of um, how much they have uh, uh, raised. And uh, when you look at e- even the amount that is raised in 2021 by these alternative platforms already surpasses VC funding that was raised uh, last year, wow. uh, actually. So and uh, that is a completely different picture to the rest of ASEAN, for example, you know, like the, the big ASEAN countries, ASEAN 6, they, they, they call them, right? Uh, which besides Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, Philippines, Indonesia, and now Vietnam as well. Uh, in all of these countries, uh, VC funding is the dominant one, you could you could say. And um, But as can be seen in the numbers last year and in the pre- previous year, in Malaysia alone, uh, alternative funding from platforms like ECF and, and P2P have uh, surpassed VC funding, which is... Uh, um, an unknown uh, uh, factor so far until this time. Any insights as to why that's the case, Joe? Anything you've heard from industry players, perhaps, as to is this a matter of you know VC not thriving here in Malaysia as mm. compared to other regions? Right. Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of factors. It's just a just a, a opinion on, on my end. Uh, one of the main ones is that uh, we are very our economy is very driven by MSMEs. To, uh, to be honest, you know, we are we are a small business landscape actually, and uh, it's the backbone of the economy. You know, to 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 use a cliche, uh, and of course, but that's not a unique picture to Malaysia. You know, it's uh, the same across much of the developing world and uh, definitely across uh, Southeast Asia. Singapore is is the the only real exception. And in in the reports that we see, uh, Singapore is the one that dominates VC financing uh, in in the region. More than half of VC financing that is gathered 
in the region overall all goes towards uh, Singapore companies. And this is despite uh, regulatory efforts there by the Authority, Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS, to promote alternative financing. Plum VC is one thing still outweighs it by a, by a very big margin. So um, in a... Um, in a smaller picture, I would say that VCs are just more interested in backing companies where they can see the growth potential faster, you know, with the potential to scale and to accelerate their return on investment uh, faster so that they can mm. uh, re- reinvest the money. And um, that that's the case with like, you know, they're, they're looking for the next big unicorn is what I, I, I would just, think. There yeah. are structural mm. issues at play as well, uh, right? Yes. So mm. um, now, thankfully, we have two founders in the room that yes. also are looking <laughs> to raise money, grow their businesses. Um, Cash, to start with you, you're both an ECF player, a startup founder and a long-time industry observer. Um, give me, uh, what's your take on what uh, some of Joe's observations here? And also, this, uh, this mm, not diminishing, but... Um, the VC industry's uh, lack of funding here compared to ECF and P2P, uh, which is different from that of a, a regional picture? I, I think um, there are a few factors at play here. Uh, first of all, we always like to say, although we referred to ECF and P2P as alternative funding, mm. I'm on a mission to tell people that mm. it's no longer alternative. Mm. It's actually the go-to <laughs> uh, method right. these days, P2P <laughs> and ECF, right? Uh, of course, we, we fund a lot of companies, right? So, so all the platforms together uh, account for a large number of companies. And I think it's not just it's not just uh, one way to look at it. It's like, okay, ECF and P2P has overtaken VC funding. But the other way to look at it is that ECF and P2P have come in to help more companies get funded. Mm-hmm. And VCs have continued to invest and they are still doing their funding. It's just that the market has grown bigger. Mm. And one of the things that... Um, uh, 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 mentioned just now was that uh, there are large we, we're, we're very, this country is driven by MSMEs there are almost a million MSMEs registered in Malaysia right uh, we just cannot even touch mm. a, a small uh, bit of that right uh, so the where else do these companies get funded and it will be on this kind of platforms mm. I mean, so based on what you're saying, I could possibly see parallels in other countries as well, right? Because Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand all have a lot of micro SMEs, particularly Indonesia as well, yeah. which is where we're seeing a lot of this alternative financing grow as well. If we take a look at uh, like funding societies, for example, they got a big base over in uh, in Indonesia, so has Boost, which Boost Credit is quite huge, uh, quite sizable uh, in Indonesia. Um but as a startup founder, uh, Cash, I'm sure you've had plenty of conversations. You've raised money with uh, VCs. Uh, in your conversations with, conversations with the VCs, have they expressed any you know, um, uh, thoughts about structural hurdles in their ability to raise funds here in Malaysia and invest those funds? Well, I would say uh, there always are. Right? Um, I think one of the reasons why Singapore, I think to, to look at it the other side, why Singapore is the huge giant in VC funding mm. is because maybe all the factors at play in the in the market in Singapore makes it easy for VCs to put mm. down their, 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 their stake there, uh, to look for companies there, maybe from a regulatory perspective. But more, I think, from a legal perspective, the ease of uh, raising funds and right. all that, all, all that come into play, obviously, yes. right? Uh, but we do see a lot of uh, VCs finally uh, coming into Malaysia they do set up base here too. Mm-hmm. And I think if the government were to make things easier for them, you will see a lot more coming in. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Jan, over to you. Um, any 
observations, thoughts, insights as to, you know, uh, both sides of this conversation. One, uh, within your conversations with your own funders, the VCs that you've talked to to raise money, uh, have they highlighted any of their own concerns in terms of ability to raise or fund in Malaysia? Uh, or why maybe has P2P done so much better than VC comparatively here? Yeah, I think the, I think the right, the, the, P2P and VC technically are kind of uh, two different uh, sources of funds. Yeah. So uh, P2P generally is more for working capital, whereas uh, VC tends to be more for equity. So I think that's more comparable to ECF. But during our conversation with some of the uh, VCs uh, as cap bay uh, raising funds, right? One of the common points we always hear from our VC is that they always request us to change our holding company or even a HQ to Singapore. There's this uh, uh, preference. The age-old, the age-old yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. There's always this uh, uh, request. And sometimes uh, if they are from the West, they, they almost make it uh, uh, like a mandatory terms as part of the investment. Yeah, because yeah, I have uh, I have spoken to founders who are basically incorporated in Singapore, but all the operations are here. The business is basically here, but name in Singapore there. When they when you talk to them, are there any particular reasons that they express any concerns? Yeah, I think um, there are something, it's probably just the branding of the, mm. uh, I think, uh, familiarity, I would say. You know, mm. uh, some of them are set up in Singapore, their funds, they are more familiar with the uh, legal. Uh, I think, but it's good that we see that the government yesterday also announced that they are trying to make, uh, it, make it easier for uh, funds and uh, family offices to set up in Malaysia. Mm. So we hope to see, we welcome that and hope to see more uh, improvement and changes. Yes, yes. Uh, quite a few announcements from Data3, uh, Anwar Ibrahim at the yes. SC. Uh, was it a... Uh, a talent uh, capital markets talent uh, event mm-hmm. um, so it'll be good to see um, where, how this actually plays out the actual policy framework uh, to allow more foreign funds to come in and to help develop the funding landscape here um, ladies and gentlemen given the growth of equity crowdfunding and P2P lending industries here in Malaysia today on BizBytes we've been speaking to industry players and observers about the role of the Malaysia Co-Investment Fund which we talked about earlier the current state and future potential of equity crowdfunding and P2P lending platforms here in Malaysia and how they've changed the funding landscape, which we've talked about a bit, but we will continue to address after this. Tell us what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899, or you can tweet us over at BFM Radio. I'm Roshan Kanison, and here is The Beths with Knees Deep on BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Mishmash, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kanesan, and if you've just joined us, today we're exploring the SME and startup funding landscape following news last week that the Malaysia Co-Investment Fund announced that it had co-invested 638 million ringgit in just around 3,600 micro, small, and medium enterprises through P2P and equity crowdfunding platforms in 2022. On the back of that news, we're taking the opportunity to explore the role of the fund, which we did earlier in the show, as well as the current and future states of agricultural funding and P2P lending platforms here in Malaysia. Helping me with this conversation has been Joanna Devanesan from uh, from FinTech News Asia, uh, Malaysia, Kashminder Singh from Pitch In, and Zingzian from Cap Bay. Uh, Joe, um, now in the SE's annual report and the MySIF annual report, um, a lot of, obviously these things explore a lot of elements, right? So the SE's annual report came out in March. MySIF was last week. Um, was there anything else that caught your attention with regards to the P2P landscape or the equity crowd, uh, crowdfunding landscape or just general SME business fi- uh, funding? Mm-hmm. So uh, according to the SE, uh, the SE chairman himself actually, the 
uh, uh, when they released the annual report, uh, the Malaysian capital market uh, overall, uh, according to him, remains orderly and continues to support the enemy, continues to be an important prop to the economy. Uh, total funds raised uh, hit record high, uh, $179.4 billion. Uh, last year, and uh, according to the SE report, this exceeds the five-year pre-pandemic average of 121.4 billion uh, in total. So, the in comparison with the global capital market uh, in recent times, we can see. Uh, Weaker performance in 2022, uh, continued tightening of financial conditions in most of the big markets, uh, inflationary pressures, and as well as things like uh, uh, fallout from the Ukraine war. Uh, all of these combined to create for a, a weaker climate for uh, the uh, global the global situation uh, in comparison with what we see now in Malaysia. Um, Cash, while we have you in the room, um you know, a lot of, uh, well, actually both of you, um, a lot of efforts are being placed towards growing both these sectors, the P2P platforms and the equity crowdfunding platforms. That's part of the reason why we have the Malaysia Coin Investment Fund. Um, that's it, though. Um, Zian, do you think there's more that needs to be done to bolster the P2P ecosystem here in Malaysia? Or is there an enough support as it is? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think there are a lot more uh, support needed. Because um, despite the growth and the numbers we talk about, the numbers, the amount invested in P2P uh, is still very tiny compared to the overall bond markets, uh, considering that Malaysia has one of the largest and uh, most developed bond markets, which was um, valued at uh, 1.9 trillion, mm. uh, according to Capital Markets Malaysia, as of end of last year. So we are not even at 0.1%. Of that, and that also means that it's sort of a uh, potential. Mm. So some of the things that we believe that can be done uh, could include, for example, uh, uh, some of the tax incentive uh, for uh, investment made into P2P platforms. Something similar to what is uh, given to some of the angel investment or even the equity crowdfunding uh, as well. And another example is probably a government coming in with some of the scheme that they currently do it with the banks through uh, credit guarantee corporations or SJPP. So mm. all those things will actually give the investors a lot more confidence about this market and therefore directly helping all the SMEs. Right, right, yeah. Um, so incentives and support there. But you know, when you compare things to, like, uh, so you compared it to the bond market earlier in terms of size, right, mm-hmm. Zian? Um, what would be a level that you want to see the P2P industry at? Is there a number in mind, like 0.1%, 1%, 5% of the bond market? Yeah, I, I, a bit hard for me to plug a number out of thin air, but I would say that uh, compared to if we were to benchmark to the economy, SMEs mm. are currently are contributing almost half the, probably uh, mm. half the, the economy sizes. I think uh, 0.1% at this moment is just way too little. Mm. So you, you want it to be like, you know, like how companies go to the bond market to raise funds for their needs. You want the P2P landscape to be similarly treated. Yeah, yeah, for SMEs, of course. Uh, yeah, so catering to that sector there, so that they're more well-funded um, and they have more liquidity, basically. Exactly. Um, Cash, thoughts on what needs to happen to further bolster the ECF business uh, platforms or has enough been done? Uh, we always say there's not enough done. <laughs> That's the first thing to point out. Uh, and, and, and there's really not enough done because if you look at awareness, uh, that's one area that I think is extremely important. Mm. Awareness, mm. a lot more can be done uh, because even if you say that we all know about equity crowdfunding, but in the man in the street yeah. and the people maybe outside the Klang Valley, there's a lot more, I think, awareness to be done. Uh, we are doing our part. Uh, Pichin, for example, have just opened recently an office in Sabah mm. uh, where we've actually placed 
people on the ground to to go out and look at the at, at the there and bring in deals and and get things funded there and we hope to do the same elsewhere but i think a lot more can be done in terms of awareness and in terms of support uh, we do have individuals investing we have uh, angel investors sophisticated investors retail investors we have the government investing mm. but i think more can be done if corporates also come in we do have corporates investing but a lot more can be done why just myself fund right i think many companies in malaysia can set up funds mm. to come and invest into ecf deals when they do that they actually instead of paying it forward they're investing it forward into the next champions right so th- those kind of things and, and this is not uh, i want to stress that this is not uh, uh, a csr venture yeah. come in and you invest and you actually can make That's money right. as even proven by myself i think this is a a, a line a narrative i've heard before right and it's basically we've got a lot of cash um, kept in corporate balance sheets in malaysia Uh, and it's not being recycled into the system to build new businesses. A lot of times, it feels like the big corporates uh, want to do it themselves, mm-hmm. right? We can do it ourselves instead of investing out there. So what you're basically saying is, hey, let's find a way to incentivize the big gr- uh, companies. We're not going to name them here, mm-hmm. but the ones with lots of cash uh, to invest in the ecosystem. Then, you know, end of the day, um, it may benefit them over the long term, right? Well, what we're seeing now is um, they're all trying to do their own accelerators, their own corporate venture programs, and Uh, when really sometimes you just need to go to the players who are already doing it. Uh, anything to add to that, Cash? Yeah, I, th- I think you 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 hit the spot, right? I think uh, when a, co- a corporate is big right, and they have spare funds, if you want innovation, innovation happens at the level of startups and mm. and the smaller companies, right? So you can't. It's very hard to create this this innovation in, in a big corporate setting. So come in, look at these companies, invest in them, mm. and you will then be able to you know spot the next champions. Um, Cash, what we have here in the room. Uh, tell us what's ahead for Pitch In, because I know you've mooted the idea of going into P2P financing yourself. You've got IEOs coming up. You've got secondary market. Um, lots of uh, lots happening there. What's the next project for Pitch In? The most uh, incoming one. Uh, I think there are two that that I can speak about. Our secondary market launches very very soon. Uh, we're just uh, finalizing all the uh, data uploads and all that. And our secondary market for ECF shares will start trading. And that I think will offer uh, uh, an avenue of liquidity and bring more excitement to the market. Mm-hmm. So you can look forward to that. It's called PSDX, our secondary market, mm-hmm. and we've also just recently obtained final uh, approval to launch our IEO platform. So that's going to be a totally new way of fundraising uh, through the issuance of digital uh, tokens, mm-hmm. assets, or, or as well as utility-based tokens. So we're looking forward to actually. Uh, bringing our first deal to the table. Our platform has been launched. We're now actually conducting due diligence on the first few deals. We'll take one very soon. So you can look forward to that launch. Uh, P2P and other areas of the of the thing, I think I will come back to our vision. Mm-hmm. Pitching vision is to become a digital hub, mm-hmm. a digital hub of investments, of fundraising and all that. So everything's on the table. How we do it yet, we don't know yet, mm-hmm. uh, but we intend to become a hub of everything. Jen, what's next for Cat Bay? Yeah, uh, 
It's good. I think uh, we are building on a very good base. Uh, we are fortunate to uh, have the company being profitable since uh, uh, I would say that the full 2022 and pretty much every Congrats. month in uh, this year. Yeah. So without the short term pressure, now we think a bit uh, further, dreaming bigger. So uh, for example, we have already begun our effort in uh, expanding regionally to Thailand and Singapore. We are introducing new products such as uh, cross border trade finance to support uh, Malaysian exporters. So that's on the regional front and also on the technological front, um, definitely uh, reinvesting whatever profits that we have into new capabilities, technologies such as the more advanced credit decisioning technologies, uh, using a bit, uh, a lot more uh, better uh, uh, data uh, nowadays, as well as um, I think last year, past few years, we have been helping a few banks to um, digitalize their supply chain finance offering. We're going to do a lot more uh, this year and the next few years as well. So all in all, I think the future, I would say, is very, very exciting for uh, Cat Bay. All right. Thanks for sharing all those exciting uh, developments ahead. Uh, Jan, we look forward to seeing what plays out. And uh, I'm yes. sure there'll be another conversation that we will have uh, to talk further details. Uh, Joe, uh, last question goes over to you. And this one, I'm going to leave it a bit open-ended, right? Because, mm -hmm. again, observer of the industry overall, um, looking towards the rest of 2023, we've got half a year left. I can't believe it's gone by that fast. Mm -hmm. um, what are you keeping an eye on in the world of fintech? It doesn't have to be just P2P and ECF, you know, digital right. banking, digital, digital insurance. What are the hot topics you're keeping an eye on? Right. Uh, uh, I am keeping a little bit of eye on, on the developments here in the scene because it's so promising and, you know, the, the outlook is very optimistic. So it's um, it's very interesting as well because uh, the, the landscape right now as it is in Malaysia is kind is, is unlike anywhere else in, in the region to, to be seen like that. So in a way, Malaysia is kind of a pioneering this this approach to alternative uh, financing, I would say. There's still a lot, lot to be done. Uh, as the gentleman pointed out, you know, there's a lot going on in the scene now and a lot needs to be done in order to to uh, enable it, but uh, we're kind of a uh, foreigner in this approach and it might be interesting as for, for other regions to, you know, take a page out to see how they can uh, improve capital raising for, you know, uh, smaller smaller companies in, in other places. Uh, elsewhere, uh, AI, of course, is a big buzzword, you know, in the, in the thing now, just like how Metaverse, last year everyone talks about Metaverse, yeah, everyone talks about AI, so naturally, one of the things we're looking at is how AI is going to be in, in implemented in the FS, uh, financial services industry uh, regionally here. It's already, of course, uh, implemented in a lot of ways. Uh, machine learning is something that they are looking at uh, using a lot, which is basically using AI to uh, alert, which uh, self-learning AI uh, within, you give it some set parameters, and it learns by itself. A lot of companies already uh, and banks and all the big businesses are actually developing their own in-house uh, tools in this. Uh, things like uh, more intelligent chatbots for banks, for example, or for platforms or for their online platforms, for example, that can uh, do more, um, uh, give advice on wealth, wealth advisory uh, input, for example. So there's a lot of things all data-driven. Uh, it's very uh, interesting there. Uh, last one, coming back to our region more specifically, would be uh, this, the interest in cross-border uh, remittance, payments overall, I suppose. There's been a lot of bilateral agreements signed recently within the ASEAN region uh, between uh, several of the countries here. Uh, there's an ASEAN framework, and each of the countries are working with each other to establish their own uh, framework for this to make more seamless cross-border payments. is both like instant payments, like for example, uh, Malaysia and Singapore are doing one now, joining our QR code-based systems, Nets, and uh, do it now. Uh, so, you know, in the 
and uh, same with their pay now system and our do it now system which is so it it should enable real time fund transfer basically between these uh, you know just using their mobile phone numbers i believe yeah for for both of these uh, countries so all other countries are also working on their own within a broader asean type framework so yeah uh, interesting areas so that mm-hmm. is a long list of things you really <laughs> went comprehensive with that well thank you yeah. so much uh, thank and you. Uh, thank you mm-hmm. to all of you for joining me today uh, ladies and gentlemen that was johanan devanesson senior writer at fintech news malaysia catch me the same co-founder at pitch in and ang zingzian ceo and co-founder of cap bay if you missed any part of this conversation you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the bfm app you can also find our shows on spotify apple podcast and other podcast players just look up enterprise biz bites looking ahead we've got the breakfast grill replay happening after the 1 p.m. news bulletin the mobile virtual network operators or mvn knows have been extensively investing uh, intensively competitive over the last few years and only a few companies remain in the space we speak with mr farid you know ceo of red one network on what it takes to survive what are the red or blue ocean strategies to thrive you can find all of that after the 1 p.m. news bulletin i'm roshan kanisen this has been enterprise biz bites keep it here to bfm 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.